life is made up of our relationships with others. From the time you were born, you have been wrapped into the relationships around you. Relationships with your loved ones. With your spouse. With your kids. With your friends. With your co-workers. They all affect the quality of our daily lives. But day by day, we struggle to win and keep the hearts of these people. And we are left with broken and hardened hearts. So the question remains, how are you going to win and keep the hearts of others? All right, so we're in part three, and I want to talk about availability, okay? Availability, making room for others. <clears throat> you know, relationships, as we have been learning, are the key to our happiness. The success or failure of our relationships determine the quality of life we enjoy. Uh, that can be a challenge. It certainly can be a challenge, and there may even be those who don't believe that this is true, but it is absolutely true. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis when God saw that Adam was alone and he needed a relationship. We see the tragedy of it when Cain rises up and kills his brother Abel. And we see the rest of the Bible pretty much all about relationships, the conflicts, the biblical principles that, that the people who have gone before us have learned, the book of Proverbs, which is a wonderful storehouse of wisdom to help us with relationships. They're the key. And the first step in building those successful relationships must come from us. Why? And that's because God showed us that in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave. God shows us by example how this thing works. And we're going to get into that much deeper today when we talk about availability so the first step in love is giving ourselves. That's what we learn from God. That he loved the world so much that he was motivated. He could have just said, like what we often hear in idolatry or stories that, uh, that, uh, that we read about, is that God is a demanding God and that he expects fealty and, and bowing down and blood sacrifices uh, that continue on. Of course, all of this was perverted from the very heart of God and the, and, 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 and the truth that comes from the very foundation of time. But that's not how our God acted. Our God said, I was so overwhelmed with love to win you back that I gave my only begotten son. He made the first move, right? He stepped across the, uh, the gymnasium floor and said, do you want to dance? And now it's our choice whether we're going to give him our hand and go for it. So, it is making ourselves available and approachable by communicating with our lives that we care enough to give without expecting anything in return. And there is where, as adults, we become more and more critical and um, discerning, really, in some ways, of, of, per of a person's motive. And so sometimes conditions that we place on others, we can feel that, we sense that. And so we tend to kind of withdraw almost like somebody cutting us and we draw back, even though it, it appears that initial reach is, is, uh, is loving. In the end, it's not. We learned about that last week. So I want to look at availability, and I want to talk about how do we, do we can make ourselves more accessible. Just four simple points here that I'll break down for us. So how can we do that? Number one, from Scripture we learn in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, that we must treat others like we would like them to treat us, right? Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, say everything. 
Everything in the Greek means everything. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, could you stop right there? But Jesus puts a nice seal upon it, and he says this, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Let me put that in other words for you, because it's a very powerful part of that verse. It is the most powerful part of that verse. What he's saying is, this sums up God's message. It's the final word when it comes to relationships. You need to treat others as you would like them to treat you. And so it, it's interesting because in there has that, that, that idea of us making the first move. In there, it has the idea that I need to love them in such a way is that, you know, because a lot of times we're just hitting. I'm, I'm sorry, we're missing. We're not hitting the mark in people. But when we consider what, how, we're, how we would be affected if we want somebody to treat us with kindness and patience, we need to sow those seeds, don't we? We absolutely need to do it. That's what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, this is what God does. And it's some, when he says it sums up the law and the prophets, I mean, that is amazing right there. The law? Absolutely. He says, you will fulfill the law. In that sense, we know that Jesus came to fulfill the moral law, and this is how he did it. He gave. He laid down his life. He made the first move. See, today, I believe, when it comes to the things that we're learning about treating other people with, with loving kindness, is that what I'm finding in our culture, I don't know if you're seeing this the same way, and maybe we're going to have a little fun with this, but courtesy is becoming a lost art. Have you found that to be true? I mean, it's just like, whoa, what happened to common courtesy, right? But what we need to do is we've got to make the first move, because I think what we have done is we've kind of turned into our, our faces into the wind here. And what we're doing is all of us are walking around saying, look, I need you to be courteous to me. Or I need my food hot. I mean, you know, I need you to get out of my way. I need you, I need you, I need Did you see that when the, that's an implosion taking place? Because no one's willing to sow courtesy. No one's getting courtesy. And now we're all stuck. So somebody needs to make the first move. And so if we want to learn the art, then we need to pick up the pencil. You know, we need to start taking it on. Can I give you a couple of suggestions? You're not too excited about that, are you? <laughs> hey, let's start with turning signals here in Roanoke Rapids. Can we, can we do that? <laughs> I knew I was going to have fun with this one. You know, okay, so let me get, can I give you a scenario here? This is beautiful. I'm sitting at a light, or no, it's a four-way stop, and I'm walking. I'm walking with Meredith, and I got the kids. We're coming back from a park, and we're walking along, and I'm watching this whole thing develop in front of me. All these people get to this, this stop sign. Nobody's got any blinker signals going on. Nobody has any clue what anybody else is wanting to do. So you know what they did? They just sat there. They just sat there and sat there, and I'm just looking at them going, so I wanted to walk over to the window and ding, ding, hey, how you doing today? Hey, where you want to go? You got a lot of options here. Now, what you're telling that guy over there is that you want to go straight because you got no signals on. And he's over there going, what do you want to do? Because he lives in the world of no lights, no blinker signals. And so now they're mind reading here, I think. That's what's going on. Is there... 
I wanted to help them out. Anyway, they went ahead. One guy just started to turn real super slowly, like, don't run into me. And on they went. And so anyway, I just thought, wow, that is so funny. Love to watch that. Anyway, that is a good part of my day as I drive around Roanoke Rapids. I mean, I'm talking to people all the time. Hey, how you doing? Hey, why don't you tell me where you want to go? I don't mean to make you mad or anything, but anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's an area where I think we could learn courtesy. Now, you know what? You say, David, that's so simple and stupid. It's not really. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because courtesy is something you have to practice. It has to start somewhere, and it has to start in some ways. And so what we need to do is if we're going to get and learn the art, if we're going to begin to treat people like we would like to be treated, it needs to start in the small things. It needs to start with opening a door for someone. It needs to start with, oh, look, you got less groceries in your cart. You go ahead and go in front of me. It starts with those kinds of little things and not just with strangers. No, that one, just let that one sit there for a minute. I mean, you need, but you know the thing that we often do is we take advantage of the closest relationships we have. And it's like we tell our spouses, look, I love you. And when that changes, I'll let you know. Yeah, instead of just showing them simple courtesy, simple acts of love. And what that does, my friends, is it, and I'm not, look, I'm not up here, standing here, the expert in all this, because if Andrea were here, thank God she's not, she's, uh, she's out of town with Liddy, and, uh, but she'd get right up here and definitely tell you, yeah, this is, this is one area that David needs to work on. We all need to work on it. But as I look at the scripture and it stares me in the face, it definitely pulls me and draws me, and I thought to myself, you know what, we got to start somewhere. Because if we want people to like us, if we want life-giving relationships, and we want the kind of relationships that are life-giving, it starts with simple courtesy. It's the little things, as they say, that add up to loving relationships. You know, other ideas? You know, tip people well when you have the opportunity to tip. I saw one time when I worked in the restaurant business, I saw a waitress run out into the parking lot holding up like a dollar, and just saying, is that all I get from you? <clears throat> I was like, whoa, man. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, so here we, as Christians, you know, you got an opportunity to show simple love. See, to get to that point, you know, and, and here's another example. Jesus talked about going the extra mile, didn't he? And sometimes going the extra mile means a little discomfort. See, courtesy often comes through that door of a little bit of discomfort. And see, but we've become, in our culture, we do not want any of that. I don't want to be discomforted in any way, shape, or form, because I'm being promised by this world that, you know what, everything is, is, is mine, and I should be able to expect everything to be given to me. And you know what, so really, I should be able to walk around like, you know, uh, Cleopatra in my little whatever they call those things, just being hoisted around. Thank you, thank you. And that's the way we act. And it's no wonder that we're all walking around in our little things, expecting, and so no love really flows. But Jesus says, look, if somebody asks you, give it. If somebody presses you, if somebody has a need, sometimes it, it does uh, 
involve some discomfort. And this is going to require a compass change of the heart. Okay? It's got to get down in there. In other words, it's got to swing around. Follow me on this. Because the, the, the needle is pointing at us. It's, it's going in. And that's narcissism. That's selfishness. And that's what our culture is breeding. And for us to be different, for us to be the kind of Christians that, that where Jesus has gotten beyond just skin deep, then it needs to go into the heart. And what happens with that compass is it swings around and it points out. It points out to others. See, we, 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 I think Christians, we are so focused and, and, and if we're, you know, we get on the internet, we listen to pastors and teachers. You know, it says it in the last days that we as Christians would, would go and we'd listen to the things that would tickle our ears. And I wonder if the tickling ears is, is just that everything would go well for me. You know, please don't tell me about things that make me uncomfortable because then I'm out of here. I mean, don't tell me about morality. Don't want to hear it. Don't tell me about having to give. Don't want to hear it. Don't tell me about anything that makes me feel bad because that's not the kind of Christianity I'm looking for. Uh, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but that's who Jesus was. He didn't call us to a life of comfort. He called you to die. Ouch. You know, I look at that sometimes and I say, wow, this is kind of a bum deal. But you know what? The reward on the other side of this is beyond what we could ask or imagine. But what I have learned is that when Jesus said, how you doing, David? I'm doing fine. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for the free gift of heaven. I'm almost so excited. He goes, here, what's that? It's my cross. I've called you to carry this the rest of your life. Wow, that doesn't preach, does it, man? I mean, we're not jumping. Yes! I mean, it doesn't. But along the way, what it means is, folks, there's going to be some cutting. And what, but, but see, don't get all depressed on me. Don't go there. Because there is a reward. What he's saying is, is that this is a biblical principle. I'm getting ahead of myself. But what, there is a biblical principle that we will discover in so doing by making the first move. We'll get to that. But that compass has got to turn out. Jesus loved to make things very simple. The Bible is about loving others unconditionally. In other words, not expecting anything in return. So if you want to restore a fading, crusty, worn-out relationship, do something simple, thoughtful, spontaneous, and selfless. The people who do this naturally are my heroes, to be, to be honest with you. And I know some folks who do that. Man, they just give and they give and they give and they just love people. And I just look at them, it's like, man, you amaze me. You know people like that, don't you? And they just, they just keep pouring out, keep giving. We all need to be in that place. Because, you know, when it, when it comes to marriages sometimes, you know, I'm, I remember I was so fed up with this couple because they were just arguing back and forth. And I just said, stop. And I looked at them, I said, okay, do you love him? Well, yes, I do. Okay? And you, do you love her? Yes. I said, then love each other. Appointment done. I was just like, then do it. And they're just like, what? Yeah, I mean, we don't even have our hour yet. And I'm saying, no, man. You both know what the solution is. Just go do it. And sometimes it's that simple. Of course, they didn't want to hear that. 
All right, number two, making ourselves available. Well, the first thing we have to do is to treat others like we'd like to be treated. Number two, we got to remain available. Okay, as people respond to your kindness in a giving of yourself, you've got to remain available. So in other words, this is not just a program now. Okay, I'm going to make you feel good and I'm leaving. No, 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 don't follow me. It's like a puppy, right? You pick up a puppy or a kitten, you hear, I mean, every time I'm out walking with Andrea and we hear a kitten over there, she says, no, don't you dare. You know, because we've done that before. You've done that. You've been out walking, you've been some, you pick up that cat and what is that cat going to do? Follow you, because you're, you're its new mama or daddy. But really, in the kingdom, that's kind of what we need to do. And we can't shy away from what it will mean when we open our heart to others. Is it risky? Yeah. Can it tend, 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 uh, sometimes be painful? Yes. But it's what we're called to do. See, a new relationship or even changing of an old one is going to bring all kinds of new insights. Get ready relationships have a real chance to grow when allowed to do so. This is what I have learned, and still learning, and we're all still learning, is that there's a major part of your, not only your human development, but your spiritual development that comes through what? Relationships. And not just that one. Because sometimes when all we do is focus on God and have these deep spiritual moments and these, in these um, um, you know, kind of, um, oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's, it's a special kind of you know, upward draft that you get and it's just you and God. You can get a little weird. Yeah, you get a little weird because you don't know how to relate to people anymore. And I'm telling you, look, you can do that when you get to heaven, but here we need to connect. The Bible tells us that they're gonna know we're Christians by our love for one another and that means time to do it. That's why the church is so critical, which is why Paul used the body and Jesus used the body as an example to describe us. In other words, that we are intimately, intricately, and in every way connected. And we need one another to exist. And there's going to be so much that comes out of those kind of relationships. And we've got to remain available to one another. That's why Paul said, look, Hey, can the eye, you know, say to the brain, I don't need you anymore? Can we, can we separate and try to exist on our own? No, 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 you can't do that. You can't. When we get in a hurry, we tend to miss the chances to connect with people. You know, as you know, that is a part of our vision here. That's why we placed it in our three-part three vision there. I connect, I serve, I grow. I connect. I mean, that's not just a phrase. And we put a lot of time and thought and energy into that to realize that, that, that to really grow in God or to grow in, 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 in being a Christian, there's two relationships that are so critical, our vertical and our horizontal relationships. Vertical, connected with God, life-giving, real, spiritual, true, down-to-earth, but yet, you know, deeply spiritual, relationship with Jesus Christ, and then intimate relationships with others. But that doesn't always fly well, again, in our culture where we're becoming more and more just Facebook friends. We're becoming more and more people that just, you know, connect through email rather than the face-to-face kind of thing, the soul-to-soul thing that takes place through eyes that is so critical to our development. You know, I was just talking with someone. You know, my, my dad passed away last Sunday, and thank you so much for praying uh, for me and Andrea and my family it's definitely been a challenge to work through. There's, there's no doubt. Um, 
the, one of the things I'm definitely learning is not everybody grieves the same way in my family. And certainly it's a lot of things have come to the surface and you all know what I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And so those have been great challenges and really caused me, you know, it's one thing to deal with someone as a pastor and, and walking in the things that you know you're supposed to do. But then when you get intimate family relationships, man, you, you got to go to a whole different level, don't you? I mean, you got you to get into your Bible. I mean, you got to get into your Bible deep. Matter of fact, you're on the phone with the Bible in the other hand. Lord, please help me. <laughs> always hopes, always, always, always. Okay, I'm going to try this. Anyway, it's so, but we got to stay connected. See, the temptation for us is to bail on relationships. Now, I understand that there are times, and we're going to talk about that in a moment, if I can get, get moving here, is that we have got to, we've, God has called us to stick with them. And there are times when they just, they just fail and they break apart. But I tell you, that should be the very, 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 very last resort. The truth is, in our culture, we so quickly kick relationships. You made me feel bad. I'm out of here. Well, welcome to life. We are going to make one, each other feel badly, and we have solutions in the Bible to help us move through that. It's essential. So we've got to remain available. We've got to keep our hearts open. We've got, to, we've got a desire to connect regardless of what happens. Thirdly, we've got to give our heart carefully and biblically. So it's not just walking around foolishly giving our heart away. Proverbs chapter 4 teaches us that we should guard our heart. It says guard your vision, actually, the way I remember it is your, uh, your walk, your talk, and your gawk. In other words, where you're going, where you're walking, who you're walking with, who you're talking about, talking with in your mouth, and then what you're looking at, of course, to guard your heart. Those are all the gateways. But we're called to give our hearts, but carefully and biblically. And what we find is that, and we can see this in society, is that there are levels of relationship, and, and that is something that we shouldn't overanalyze, but we should be aware of it. In other words, and this is natural, that there are acquaintances. There are people that we just met, right? And you've just started to begin to open your heart and talk to them. You shared a little bit, they shared a little bit. That's, a, that's a, an acquaintance. You're not going to go with an acquaintance and tell them your whole life story. Or if they ask you, you know, hey, can I think I have a thousand bucks? You can say, um, look, we're not that friendly yet. You know, we haven't achieved that thing. But yet sometimes when we don't understand this, that a lot of times we will violate levels of relationship, and that's not Bible. Sometimes we treat people that we've just met like family, and family like people we've just met. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Oh, I've been here all my life. I was... You're my dad, you know, kind of a thing. We've got acquaintances. Then you've got casual friends. Those are people that we're getting to know. Then there's close friendships, people that we've really spent a lot of time with. And we share um, a casual friendship might be a relationship where you really don't have the same. You, you may not have come to that place with a casual friendship where you both are going to heaven. You might be going to heaven and you get a friendship with someone who you're really reaching for. You're hoping to lead them to Christ one day. But you haven't gotten to the point where you're really yoked as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And so there's certain expectations, there's certain things we've got to guard our heart from. Can I, can I be so bold to say that you, for Christians to marry or to give their hearts away to people that are only casual friends and they don't even have the same, uh, you know, landing place when it comes to your, 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 your ticket for final destination to be the same place that we're giving our heart, that, that's, that's violation of relationship rules. I mean, that's, that's going to mess things up. That's going to invite things into your life that can harm you. But at the same time, we can't keep everybody at an acquaintance level. We do have to start to reach. And if we're going to lead anybody to Christ, they have to go from that to sharing some things. Then we go to close friends, as I shared with you. That's going to generally be those people, and it really should be, those people who have a final destination, you both are going to heaven. Okay, now, you know, you could challenge me on this. But I'm, I'm telling you that if you're giving your, a portion, a large portion of your heart to someone who doesn't even know what it is to be a believer, then you're really exposing your, yourself to some real damage. And matter of fact, you know, the Bible talks about how when we open our heart up and we're walking with someone and, and we're unequally yoked, that that person often, what we find is one bad apple messes up the whole batch. And so, another, and that's biblical, even though Michael Jackson sang that years ago. But anyway, it's the, the whole idea is that in a relationship, if you've got someone who doesn't know the Lord and you're walking with them in a closeness, more often than not, that person who does not know Christ is going to affect you more. That's Bible. That's what I teach my children. That's what I teach. That, that's so important to understand regarding relationships. Okay? And so, and, and that's not saying, well, that's not being very open and friendly. No, come on, give me a break. There is a place where you can really, you can share and you can, you can love people and you can be courteous and you can be, you know, loving and patient and kind to people who are not going to heaven, but your hope is that you're going to win them. But you're not necessarily going to invite them into your home to live, which sometimes I see people doing, not smart, not smart. And then finally, what I call just family, whether it be earthly family or kingdom family. Sometimes we find out that earthly family begins, our paths diverge because one wants to go heaven and one doesn't. Well, then those change. They shift. But there's a certain expectation. There are certain levels of responsibility that come with every relationship, and we really need to understand what they are. An acquaintance, there's not a lot of responsibility there. There's just not. And see, sometimes I see people get that mixed up in their head when we think of, of what Jesus is really teaching. Okay, and so that's something to keep in mind. When we cross the lines, here's some examples, giving our body physically to someone you don't even really know. That's a violation, isn't it? That's crossing the lines. Sharing intimate details with someone you can't fully trust. That can get you into trouble. Avoiding the relationships that you should be covered by. In other words, that you get it twisted up. The very people that who should know about your life are the ones that we avoid. There's another problem. Sowing seeds of disloyalty to those close friends or family. In other words, talking to someone about them, you know, that can be a real temptation. But it can open up the door to real problems. To remain accessible. We need to stay in our lanes when it comes 
to understanding people and relationships. And, we, and look, it's going to be a lifelong study of that, a lifelong study. But folks, you've got to be enrolled in the class. And so many of us, we really get fooled into thinking or even guilted into thinking that we should be giving a whole lot more to people who don't even know the Lord. Did you hear what I just said? I hope you caught that because that's important. Unconditional love is something the world just can't understand. See, there are times when we're going to give, even to an acquaintance, to say, look, can I open a door? Can I, can I do this for you? And I, look, I noticed you got a flat tire. Can I help you with that? Look, I, man, you've you got a ton of groceries. Can I help you with that? You're doing things that are just common courtesy and love, but it doesn't mean you're going to, you know, going to marry him. It doesn't mean that you're going to go to the next level. What it means is I'm showing you unconditional love. And right now, I want you to know I don't expect anything. I don't expect a thing. Do you see how sowing love that way really comes back to help you understand it? It really does. Because when I'm able to give and say, look, I'm going to give you something special from my heart. I'm going to do something courteous. But I'm going to walk away and I'm not going to say, look, I, now look, this, there's going to come a time I'm going to need something from you. And you better, you better, you better pay up. See, a lot of us sow those kind of seeds, and they're not right. See, unconditional love is something the world, they, again, they just don't understand. And that's why they often are looking at you sideways like that, going, okay, what's in it for you? Nothing. I'm just doing this because Jesus, you know, it's the spirit of Christ. He gave, expecting nothing. John 3:16 kind of love is very disarming. It really is. People really don't know what to do with it. But in the end, it plants a seed that grows, and it's good stuff. Finally, to, to, to remain available. We have to. See, I think that, and hopefully before I move on to that last point, seem, to guard your heart doesn't seem like it's making yourself available. I know it doesn't. I know you seem to, that seems contradictory, but what I'm trying to show you is that sometimes we get into such complicated relationships, we no longer can be available because we are so tied up in things that are ungodly. We're so tied up in things that have all these expectations. We don't know where we stand with that person, and we can't even live in, in, in an open, honest, good relationship with the people that we should. Hence the church. That so many times people are caught up in gangs, fraternities, things that require and demand attention and loyalty, but yet the very body of Christ, which, by the way, is your first loyalty. And God says, look, get it straight, and things will flow the way he encouraged us to let it flow. You know what? There's only one relationship on the planet that gets close to heaven. Do you know what it is? I bet you do. It's called marriage. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that. Jesus, Paul is teaching on marriage, and then he gets to the very end, and he says something very curious. He says, I wasn't really talking about men and women. I really wasn't talking about earthly marriage. I was talking about our relationship with Christ. Because that is the relationship on the planet that is most like heaven, which is why it is so sacred, which is why, folks, it's something to fight for. 
Finally, avoid expecting something in return when you give. I've already established that fact, so we'll just close this up quickly. But you will reap what you have sown. You know, it's called that um, principle of reciprocation, right? It's all throughout the scripture. from, From the cover to cover, what we give is what we'll get back. You see it in nature. A seed is sown. That seed bears fruit. It works both evil and it works with good things. You sow a seed of of anger and lust and fear. You sow a seed, it will bear fruit. It will multiply itself. You sow a seed of faith. You sow a seed of righteousness. You sow a seed of kindness, patience, love, joy, all the things, the fruit of the spirit. You sow those seeds, they're going to bear fruit. More of the same. And so when we sow these seeds, why are we motivated to make ourselves available? Because, look, if there is any selfish intent in all of it, it is that when we sow a seed of courtesy, when we sow a seed of availability, then guess what? It comes back. Because even though we have been called to carry a cross, God says, look, as long as you're on this planet, I'm going to bless you. But it always comes through the door of the seed that dies first. And it affects everything. It affects everything. You're giving when it comes to tithing. It comes to relationships. As you pour out yourself and you give of yourself in your marriage, in your friendships, even at work, when you feel like that somebody's getting over on you and, 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 and you know, instead of getting it all into all of that, just say, look, I'm sowing my own seeds today. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to be courteous. I'm going to to do my job to the best of my ability and watch God prosper you. If you you don't believe me on that, open up to a guy in the Bible named Joseph and study his life. Because he was a perfect example of a man who could have been bitter from beginning to end, but he just said, you know what? I'm going to be faithful. I'm, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to be faithful where God places me. And God blessed him beyond. I mean, what a wonderful story. But it's so true. We've got to avoid expecting. Because, see, that's the true nature. Making our heart available means we give it first. See, I think availability is a confusion. We see that word and we think, well, I'm just going to walk around and say, okay, love me. Love me. Somebody please love me. That's not it at all. It starts with, I love you. How can I show you that practically, simply today? Based on the relationship that we have. You're a believer, therefore we're brothers. We're brothers and sisters. We're connected as as the body of Christ. And then, so on and so forth. We have to remember that God is a rewarder. He's always watching to make good on his promises. And if we choose to follow his path of love and giving, he will certainly see to it that we're going to receive our full reward and to have our needs met. Because see, at the end, I know that's what it's about. You're, you're sitting there and I know, because I'm there too, we all live there to say, okay, after all that is said and done, I say amen, I say amen, I say amen. But still, does God really care about me? Does God care about my relationships? Does God care about my marriage, care about, because I, I'm really struggling in some of those things. He absolutely does. What he's just trying to always constantly communicate to us is that, look, you've got to make the first move. You've got to make the first move. And when you do, 
you do it as unto the Lord, who is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, as a rewarder of those who will be willing to sow the seeds. Again, a kingdom principle that applies to every single aspect of life. Making ourselves available when it comes to relationships is so critical. Being willing to give, being willing to walk, being willing to not expect anything in return, opening that heart, letting it go, and letting God fill you up. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning.